Good evening, Gateway family. We are so happy that you were able to be with us tonight to spend some time together in unity as the body of Christ, as a family of God to reflect upon, and to meditate on, and to remember the sacrificial love of Jesus. As we look to the cross tonight, to worship him, to declare his word, to spend a time together in intimacy with communion. And so we just ask you to just focus in on the Lord and what he did for us, his redemptive plan that we get to reflect on tonight and have the privilege and opportunity to do it right here in our place of worship, in our own sanctuary. And we're so happy to be able to do that together. We're going to begin tonight by reading a passage from Luke chapter 23 to reflect on and remember what Jesus did for us. So if you have your own Bibles there or your app or your phone, if you want to go to Luke 23 and follow along or just sit there and and listen, closing your eyes to hear what God did for us. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Hail on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him that read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are not under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, bearing their breast. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him, Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time tonight to worship you, to praise you, to look to you, to glorify your name. As we look to the cross tonight, 
as we look upon and reflect on and meditate the sacrifice you made for us. So God, we ask by your Holy Spirit that you would come and guide and direct this time as we look to the cross, as we look to the blood that was shed for us, your body that was broken for us. We desire to worship you tonight, Lord, give you honor and praise for the salvation that only comes from you. You are our hope. You are our salvation. We acknowledge that tonight and we praise you and give you honor and glory in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. I can sing, I am free and not I, 
with every breath, I long to follow Jesus, for He has said that He will bring me home, and day by day, I know He will remove until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold, for my hope is only Jesus, and although the of our Savior, the mercy of our God, the cross it leaves no question of the measure of His love, our chains are gone, our death the cross has overthrown the grave for Jesus' blood that sets us free means death to death and life for me. Just guilty, but the guilty one walks free, and death would be his portion, and a portion liberty, liberty is our Savior, crown him forever. 
Good evening, Gateway family. I am so thankful to get to greet you this evening on this Good Friday, the beginning of our Easter weekend celebrations, and to get to do so from the Gateway campus. I miss gathering in person with you tonight, yet I'm so thankful that the message that we celebrate and the message we proclaim tonight is not in any way dependent upon being in the same room, and that God is being worshipped and glorified from our homes all throughout this city tonight, and we give him thanks for that. Friends, tonight we have heard the scripture read of what happened on Good Friday. We've sung of the truth of Good Friday. If you think about it, that's a very interesting name for what we're celebrating tonight, Good Friday. Because at first glance, it doesn't seem very good, does it? That Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who was born a miraculous birth to a virgin, who lived a perfect life and who never once sinned, who showed us who God is and taught us God's ways, on this Friday was betrayed by one of his own disciples. He was rejected by the people. He had heard the crowds shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. On Good Friday, Christ was beaten. He was bloodied and he was hung on a cruel Roman cross, the worst form of execution ever invented by humanity. And he was tortured there. He had nails put in his hands and feet. He was there hung on the cross, exposed to the elements, exposed to the mockery of the crowds. As he hung there, he cried out, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? As he experienced the wrath of a holy God against all of our sins. And there on that cruel cross, friends, he died. Why in the world would we call a day like this Good Friday? When the innocent suffers the cruelest form of execution. When the creator himself allows his rebellious creatures to nail him to a cross and to die. Why would this be good? And what would be good in that? Well, to help us see, I want us to go back to the prophet Isaiah to find in your copy of God's Word, Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah is the prophet we looked at this last Sunday when we studied Isaiah chapter 6. The prophet who had this incredible vision of God's throne in heaven and who saw this, the glory of God on display like we saw last Sunday morning. But Isaiah also in these prophecies had an incredible glimpse of what the Messiah would come to do. God showed him a glimpse of the sufferings that the Messiah would endure, the one who the Jewish people were longing for to rescue them, the one we now know is Christ Jesus himself. And in this prophecy, not only did we see that Christ would suffer, but that the Messiah also would accomplish much through that. So for 700 years before Jesus came, I want you to hear what Isaiah said would happen. Isaiah chapter 53. I want us to read all 12 verses of this to see what is so good about Good Friday. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, 
and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Friends, what is good about Good Friday? What is good about Good Friday is that Christ accomplished on Good Friday what we could never accomplish on our own. You see, friends, we've all sinned. We've all rebelled against God. We've all offended a holy God. And friends, let me just remind us, sin is rebellion against God. Sin is us shaking our fist at God, saying, God, not your way, but mine. Sin is doing anything that displeases God. And Isaiah knows that, and he says that here in verse 6. Look back at this text. Because all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, the reality is we deserve wrath. We deserve punishment. We deserve hell because we've offended a holy God. We have broken his standards. But Good Friday gives us hope because Christ took the punishment in our place. Again, back in verse 6 here, the Lord has laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. And Isaiah describes what's happening there. The previous verse, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Friends, Good Friday is good. Because there on Good Friday on the cross, we see both the holiness of God and the love of God. There on the cross we see the wrath of God, but we also see the mercy of God. It all comes together there in the cross. You see, God is so holy, he cannot change his standards. He cannot ignore sin. He cannot just sweep it under the rug. He's so holy, he can't do that. So he has to find a way for his wrath to be satisfied. And Christ takes the punishment we deserve. An author I was reading once described it this way, and this was so good. He said, the wisdom of God found a way for the love of God to satisfy the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God. And friends, let that sink in, because that's what Good Friday is all about. It's a display of the wisdom of God. And in his love for his rebellious creation, us, he found a way in his love, out of his wisdom, to satisfy his wrath, to pay the price for the sins that we deserve without in any way compromising his holiness 
or his justice. And Isaiah gives us a glimpse of that here in verse 11. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. Friends, Good Friday shows us that the wrath of God has been satisfied, that the punishment that we deserve has been put on Christ. The debt has been paid, and he can now declare sinners righteous. Because our sin was put on Christ, and friends, all of Christ's righteousness was then put on us. And friends, that's what we just sang about. We just sang that our chains are gone, that our debt is paid, that Jesus' blood has set us free. And friends, what a reminder that is on this Good Friday and how good this is for us, that Christ died for our sins. Yes, to free us from the penalty of sin, so we're freed from the wrath of God. But let me remind us on this Good Friday, he also died to set us free from the power of sin, to transform us, to change us, to lead us, to make us more and more like him as he grows us in godliness. And friends, that's what we get to celebrate on this Good Friday, the incredible mercy and grace of God that he has poured out to undeserving sinners like us. And friends, we get to close tonight with an incredible way to remember the mercy and the grace of God. And that is communion. Because communion is a sacred remembrance of what God has done for us. It reminds us of the incredibly high price that was paid for the salvation that we experience. Friends, we do communion to remember Christ's sacrifice, to remember what happened on Good Friday. Friends, we do communion to worship God to proclaim how worthy he is of our praise and to proclaim how worthy he is of us giving our whole lives to him. And friends, when we take communion, the bread reminds us, and the breaking of the bread reminds us that Christ's body was hung on the cross, that he died so that we might be set free. And friends, when we take the juice or the wine, it reminds us of his blood being shed because Hebrews 9.22 tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so we take this as an act of worship to remember and to worship God. Friends, as such, this is only something for followers of Christ to take. If you're watching and you're not sure you are a follower of Christ, if you're not sure you're trusting in Christ alone as your Lord and Savior, during this next few minutes, I want you just to remain where you are and just pray and ask the Lord to show himself to you. So you see, Scripture gives us a very strong warning about what we're about to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as Paul's writing to the people in Corinth, He says this, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But friends, if you are in Christ, you are welcome from your home to participate. As we participate together as the body of Christ here at Gateway, from our home, celebrating together what Christ has done for us. And like we usually do, I want you to take a few minutes where you are. You don't have the elements to get them, but particularly where you are to pray and reflect. To use just a moment or two here to pray and to thank God for his mercy and grace he's poured out on you. To think about what Christ has done for you to set you free. To ask him, is there any unconfessed sin in your life you need to deal with? And just to take a few moments to pray. So do that right now as you hear some music quietly played in the background, and then I will lead us in taking the elements of the Lord's Supper together in just a moment.
1 Corinthians 11:23 tells us, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, when given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together now, friends. Verse 25, it continues. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Paul continues in the next verse. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And friends, that is what we have done this Good Friday evening. Remember the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior in which we've received all the mercy and grace that we have. And we thank him for that. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you have looked upon undeserving wretched sinners like us. Instead of giving us wrath that we deserve, you've given us mercy and grace upon grace upon grace. And we're thankful for this powerful reminder we take the bread and drink the juice, that we're reminded, Lord Jesus, of what you did to purchase our salvation. And I pray this weekend that you restore to our hearts, your people, the wonder of what you've done, that you restore to our hearts a sense of awe for how great you really are. And God, not just tonight during the service, but all weekend long, that we would worship you, because God, you alone are worthy of all praise. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And we're going to close our service tonight by singing together once again. So Ashley's going to come back up as we sing our closing song this evening. Yeah.
Gateway family, I am so thankful that even though we're apart, together tonight we were able to celebrate Good Friday this evening. And I pray this weekend that the awe and wonder of what Christ has done for us would be very present in our homes and in our lives. We think about it and dwell on it. I want to encourage you to keep thinking on these things. And I hope you'll join us Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Our stream of our Easter celebration will begin then. And I hope you'll tune in like you've done tonight as we read God's word, as we sing together, as we just proclaim Christ's resurrection from the dead. And we look forward to you joining us. God bless you and see you Sunday morning. Have a good night.